Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and super excited for you to dive into this episode. But before we dive in, I really want to share this awesome, awesome product that I found because one thing that I get frustrated with when it comes to running gear is when it doesn't last long. Whether it rips, tears, or just wears away, it sucks to have to keep buying new stuff. I know I've been there many times before. Plus, when you do these things, it isn't sustainable for the planet either because you're always throwing away different things. But I recently started to try this gear that lasts long, has a five-year guarantee, is super comfortable, has extremely fun colors, and helps to support clean water programs around the world. The gear is from Janji, and you've got to check them out. They make high-performance running apparel such as shorts, tanks, shirts, jackets, and more, all built to explore the world on the run. Not only do they have a five-year guarantee where they'll replace any product that wears away, but their stuff is super comfortable, breathable, and easy to move in especially in those summer months where it gets hot and you need something that keeps you to cool. We all know that heat is coming and we need something cool to keep us on those trail runs. Plus, 2% of their sales go towards nonprofits working on viable clean water solutions, so it's a way to give back and feel good about where your money is going. They have super bright colors and artwork designed by talented artists all across the world, so you'll stand out on the trail. I know I always like to wear the brightest stuff out there, so if you're in the same boat as me, they got stuff for you for sure. My favorite products uh, by John G have been the Transit Tech short and the Run All Day tee. And I like the Transit shorts because they're lightweight, easy to move on my runs, especially when I'm climbing hills or doing faster efforts. And because they don't have a liner in them, it doesn't chafe for me on the longer runs, especially when I'm sweating a ton. And we all know how much chafing is awful. I also like the Run All Day tee because it feels like you're barely wearing anything out there, which keeps you so cool on a hot day. But it also feels like you're really, really cool whenever you're wetting it down or having that topical cooling thing, which we all know is the key to staying cool on your hot training runs or your races. And the coolest thing about both these items is that you can tell they last very, very long. I've been out on these on long runs already and the gear just lasts. Like you can tell like there's no wear, there's no tear. It really goes out there and you know it's going to be there for the long haul. And as endurance athletes, we need gears that can take us over many, many miles. And the cool thing is too, is even though the gear does last long, you still got that reassurance of that five-year guarantee, which is just absolutely incredible. I don't know of any other company that's doing that. So you know you have that tried and true product that's going to last you for the long haul. So you can already tell by now I'm a huge fan of Jondi and I 100% suggest you try them out. And if you're looking to test drive it, you can actually get 15% off your order by using the code EverydayUltra15 at checkout when you go to Jondi.com. And that's spelled J-A-N-J-I.com. So that's Jondi, J-A-N-J-I.com. And if you're rocking Jondi on your next adventure, let me know. I'd love to hear what you're wearing out there. And I really hope you give them a shot because they've been a game changer in my training, especially as it gets super hot here in Phoenix and you need something comfortable, cool, and something that looks good. That's the most important thing, right? So go to johnji.com, that is J-A-N-J-I.com and use code EverydayUltra15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. All right, everyone, thanks so much for listening and let's get into the episode here.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and we're here with another Western States 100 preview episode where we're interviewing the top athletes, towing the line in Olympic Valley, making the 100-mile journey all the way to Auburn for the 50th anniversary of the prestigious Western States 100. And today, I'm super stoked to, to chat with our guest today. Not only is he one of the top athletes towing the line, I mean, his results speak for itself, third place finish at UTMB last year, which is impressive. A recent second place finish at one of the most competitive 100Ks, the Black Canyon Ultras as well, and tons of other podiums and wins. Most recently at the uh, the 50K there, the 25K, was it 25K or 50K for the for the Snowden, right? It was 50K, right? 50K. 50K, yes. Changed last minute. Yes, that's what I remember. I was like, oh, I knew you changed it. But last, last minute, switch to the 50K, comes out with a first place win, and now... He is headed into Western States next week. Probably guessed who we're talking to today is no other than the man himself, Mr. Tom Evans. Tom, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. Joe, thanks so much. Um, yeah, super excited to uh, super excited to be here with you and looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely, man. I'm looking forward to the conversation too. And you're currently, you know, based overseas in Europe, but you're here right now in Flagstaff, Arizona. So tell us a little bit, how has those last few weeks of training been going in Arizona, in Arizona and what has that been like for you? Yeah, it's been amazing. This is actually my, I'm starting my 12th week in Arizona this year. Um, So yeah, I've almost spent as much time in Arizona as I have in the UK Um, over the last, yeah, this year, which has been super fun. And yeah, it's been, I came out to Flagstaff um, to live with Abby and Cordes Hall in January before Black Canyon. Um, Kind of as like a proof of concept to test, to see if, it what the setup here works for me to then go into a big block and it's always it's always difficult when you're friends with when you're really good friends with people but you never spend that much time with each other to then all of a sudden it go from two people living in a house to three people living in a house and yeah diet is different like they're both vegan and i'm not vegan um so yeah it was just super interesting to see how things panned out and it worked out really well and the slight plan for this trip was to do a couple of weeks living with them and then a couple of weeks sort of staying in Airbnb. But at the end of the first trip, they said, well, we all get on so well, it's so easy. Let's just do the whole thing together. Um, so no, it's been, it's been really fun. I think from someone who's lived at sea level for the whole of my life, like coming up here, it's never easy. Um, it's definitely getting easier. Um, the weather's been pretty, actually pretty favorable. Like it's, it's not actually been too hot up here. Um, so we've been able to get some like really solid training in an altitude and then for heat, we can drop down. Um, but yeah, it's been great fun. Uh, I went to a rodeo last weekend. It was pretty cool. Um, I've, I owned some cowboy boots uh, since I've got, since I've been out here. So yeah, I'm uh, fully buying into the, um, to the US culture um, in hope that that's the, that's the secret ticket. Not many, yeah, not many Americans win UTMB, not mer- many non-Americans win Western States. And if it's a culture thing, I'm trying to, as well as trading as much as I can, I'm, um, yeah, trying to spend as much time with, um, yeah, with American people and sort of, yeah, by really buying into the culture, which has been super fun. That's awesome. I yeah, I just saw the post that you did on Instagram with the cowboy boots saying that you are uh, getting comfortable here in in the states too and I think uh that'll be the key to victory, right? Is is the cowboy boots. Like once you get a cowboy boots, you're officially 
an American and ready to to rock and roll at Western States, which is great. Um, speaking on that same kind of vein, like what have you think has been the biggest maybe shifts in training from you know training overseas, like where your you know home base is and everything to the states, right? Obviously the altitude and maybe the terrain's different, but was there anything that maybe you know was unexpected on your end as you were going through the training that you saw as a benefit um to help you tell the line next week? Yeah, I think having raced Western States before, mm-hmm. but in a very different year. So I raced in 2019 um, in a nice, in a relatively cool year that still feels hot. People call it a cool year, but it's not cool. It's still really hot. Um, but that's the year that um, Jim set the course record that's still the course record now. And yeah, I learned a lot during the course, um, during a, learned a lot during that race, but I'm being very careful not to, based all my training off that experience because mm. the course at Western States this year is going to be so different. Um, we didn't have much snow in 2019. There's going to be heaps of snow this year. Then between Robinson Flat and Forest Hill, we had loads of shade, um, which we're not going to have this year. So it's almost as if we're running it on a different course. And I think mm. for me, definitely one of the big things going into the race has been like, don't, yeah, don't just like remember the race experience that you had in 2019 and think, oh, well, if I did it then, I can do it again. Like, it's going to be a completely different race, um, which I think is, yeah, has been quite cool. Um, yeah, I think it's for this training block, it's just being sort of, yeah, piecing things together, just trying to be as, as consistent as possible. Um, I got married at the end of the last year and went on a honeymoon and took a little bit of time off that was, yeah, it was super important, which, then meant that when I came to the US in February to race Black Canyon, I'd had, I took a month off running and I'd only been running for five weeks mm. before the race. And I ran 120 miles the week before the race because I wasn't going to taper because it was a, it was part of the training. So you can't perform your best. So, and even, geez, had I even been on my best, would I have beaten Anthony? Probably not. He was just on absolute fire that day. And, I'm super excited to yeah to go up and race against him again, but um yeah it's been it's been a really fun sort of voyage of learning and exploring since being out in Flagstaff. And I've been out here, I was out here in 2018 um, mm. in the summer, and then I was here in the winter. And it's a pretty harsh winter, so yeah, it's now super nice coming back here uh, in the summer and being able to yeah pretty in theory just be able to run in um, shorts and a t-shirt, but. Uh, yeah, I've been doing quite a bit in a rain jacket for the last couple of the last week or so just to try and uh, up the heat as it's been sort of a nice 75 to 80 degrees up here and I just need it a little bit hotter. But that's the nice thing about flag. You can drop down and I'm off to Phoenix. So we're now 10 days out from States. Um, so I'm off to Phoenix tomorrow for like a mini training camp um, to just to boost up my heat acclimation and then, um, yeah, head over to Olympic Valley and um get ready to roll. That's awesome. And you're, so I'm based in Phoenix too. And I can tell you, you're coming right at like the really hot part. So this would be perfect training grounds, which is awesome. I, I definitely want to touch on the heat thing, but before I also want to talk about your comparison of like Western States in 2019. And now I love how you highlight it's a completely different course, completely different race. And, and let it be known in 2019, you had a very solid race that year on the podium, third place, just under sub 15, which is just super, super cool. So you had a great race by any means. I mean, which was so awesome. 
So obviously the course is different, right? And all those things, but how do you think you have changed as an athlete, you know, since to like 2019 Tom versus 2023 Tom here today, maybe some things that, you know, you have personally grown at, whether it is, you know, something you're implementing in your fitness or something you're just implementing as an athlete in whole that you think um, is going to be an edge. Like if you were to kind of pin yourself up against your 2019 version of yourself. Yeah, I think, I guess 2019, it was my first hundred miler. I had nothing to lose. Mm. Um, I wasn't, yes, like I actually reread my I Run Far um, 2019 review the other day. And it was like, oh, Tom's like one of the dark horses. He's done well in the heat before. He's raced well in 100K. Um, he's, yeah, he's podiumed at Marathon de Saab, so he's good in the heat. But it's his first hundred, so who knows? Um but I was a one to watch. I wasn't a, he's a shooting for a top mm. five. So yeah, I think I get my training very much used to be marathon training with longer, long runs. Um, and I just kept getting niggly injuries. Like I was doing three hard workouts and a long run a week and I just kept getting injured. Um, mm. And I was actually looking at my, yeah, my stats, like in the 12 weeks before um, Western States, I averaged like 82 miles a week in 2019. Um, and I, yeah, I just kept picking up niggles and I'd had a bit of a niggle before that training block. Um, whereas I look this year, since the 1st of January till now, I've averaged 125 miles a week, mm. every week. Um, and I've raced four times, um, and yeah, still showing like the diversity from like, I raced Black Canyon in February. And then two weeks later, I raced the British, uh, like interstate cross country championships, um, and finished in 10 kilometers in super muddy, hilly conditions and finished second there, um, to then be able to race, uh, sky running race to then be able to race a 55k in Snowdon. I feel like, yeah, this year I'm sort of, I've basically, yeah, tried to break down the Western States course of what are the, what are the tools I need in my toolbox to be able to be as good as possible. And I think this year more so than ever, like you can probably break the race into, yeah, into three parts, really like geographically three parts. The start to Robinson Flat, where it's going to be snowy. I think it's going to be slow but it's going to be really tiring on your muscles if you're not used to running in bad conditions. In the UK, do I run on lots of snow? No. Do I run in lots of mud? Yes. Mm. And it's pretty similar. Um, so we added a little bit of, yeah, a little bit more specificity with my strength and conditioning program in the, in like the opening phases of the block, doing quite a lot more plyometric work. Um, because yeah, like muscle recruitment running in snow and mud goes up a third. So you're having to use like 33 times more effort to run in snow than you do on the flat, which I think a lot of people won't have taken into account because ah, it's just running. Um, mm -hmm. But actually, I think you can train for it. Um, you then got Robinson Flat to Forest Hill, I would say, is sort of the next block. And that's like, it's going to be super hot because of the burn scar. Um, and I, I think it'll be quite emotional running through it, like seeing how, yeah, how much the landscape has changed and me having such fond memories from there and such vivid 
yeah, vivid recollections of my day in 2019. And I think it will be, yeah, it will be a, a bit, yeah, scary how much it's changed, but then also quite incredible to be able to see the trail and to see how much hard work has gone into it. And yeah, just super thankful for all of the volunteers and the trail teams who have got the trail into a, what I, what looks like an amazing condition that's going to be a super fun to run in but it's going to make it hot and it's going to make it super exposed, which hasn't really ever happened before there. So I think like the heat exposure will definitely, even if it's not a hot year, it will, the athletes will say, Oh no, it was, it felt like a hot year because mm. you've just got that solar radiation. There's going to be no shade from Robinson flat till, uh, till the river um, pretty much, which, which adds an extra level of complexity to it. Like it's great doing some heat training, but it's, you're going to be in the heat for a long time, but with solar radiation as well. So like I see lots of people in the sauna at the moment. Like I think it's, it may or may not be useful. Um, mm. There's lots of differing articles, but there's not prepping you for solar radiation and training in sun. So I think that, I think that will be really interesting. I think everyone does heat prep for Western States, obviously, but I think we will really better tell who's done the right, heat prep and be able to see which protocols work um and yeah geez who knows my protocol may not work i might be terrible in the heat who knows um but we shall see um and then i think yeah the final phase because the first half of the race is being slow the middle section of the race has been hot i there will either be some people who have got the most incredible legs and crush the final 40 miles like i think that i think that the final 40 miles at states this year will be run the quickest that they ever have done before mm. Sign- significantly quicker um but i think the first half will be significantly slower like i think it will i think whoever wins if i was putting money on it i'd say 428 um but at the halfway point they'll be an hour behind course record pace but they'll run 30 minutes into course record pace from halfway from forest hill to the finish mm. Yeah. And that is such a like great analysis to look at it from like those three different parts. Cause it is almost like three almost distinct kind of races, like with the different terrain and three distinct things that, you know, some people, I mean, there are a few people who are veterans, like uh, Nicole Bitter has been here for like six years and everything like that. But for the most part, a lot of people haven't seen it with this much snow and pretty much almost anyone hasn't seen it with the burn stuff. So it is to your point, just a strategic way to look at it at as a completely different race. You mentioned the heat, which is interesting. Interesting. I know you mentioned like the sauna because that's almost like the first place where everyone's head goes to, right, is getting the sauna, everything like that. But you mentioned the solar radiation. You're being in Arizona too, even up high at Flagstaff, it hits different. And, and Phoenix living here, it just hits different just being out in the actual sun than the sauna. So for you, like, and I know you mentioned in other podcasts, like the heat is an area that uh, I know I love how you look at it as like a SWOT analysis of things. And like the heat was like an area for you to work on and kind of go in there. Do you feel like really confident in, in your own heat strategy or maybe what are some things that, you know, you're really stoked about that um, you're implementing that you think will give you an edge on the heat game? I think it's just, you talk about specificity of training and yet the one place that people aren't prepared to train that specifically is with the heat because it's really hard. So like my view on it, if you're training for a road marathon, you wouldn't spend all your time on the bike training for it because you need to be able to run. And it's the same with, in my opinion, it's the same with heat. 
being sat doing passive heat exposure isn't enough. Like you're, yes, your body's getting good at sweating, but at what cost is that come? Like if you're losing, if your body's able to cool itself down a lot, that's brilliant. And if you're, but if you're sweating like two and a half liters an hour, that means you've got to put two and a half liters an hour into your body, which in a race like Western States is impossible. So you almost become too efficient at sweating and not heat adapted enough. So by doing more specific training outside um, or in a, I did a lot, quite a lot in the lab beforehand when mm. I was back in the UK um, with a sports science team. And yeah, I recently signed with um, Santara Tech um, and the Santara company. So doing a lot of work with um, Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden's coach, uh, Olaf Alexander-Bleu. Um, so yeah, following a, a very, very similar heat protocol to what they have been doing like before Kona. Um, and it's obviously worked for them. I can't go into too much detail about it um, yet, but I know it is coming out pretty soon. Um, but yeah, it's just trying to train as specifically like, it's like what are the what are the requirements of the race? So let's train for that. And I think one of the big differences in like the race is going to start cold. Like I'll probably start in a jacket. Um, I don't like the cold. You can't really pre-cool like you would before a marathon or before like a Formula One race. You see people in these ice jackets. You can't really do that because it's going to be cold. So yeah, it's just, yeah, being able to, yeah, ease yourself gently into the training and into the heat. Whereas obviously if you're using a sauna, you're going from zero to 100 instantly and your body isn't able to make those sort of that gradual change. Um, but so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's super interesting. And yeah, we've been working with, um, yeah, with some other people about like cooling strategies and taking a lot from what has been done in like the cycling world, which is, yeah, I think leading the way in cooling and endurance sports because it's way easier for them to carry bottles. Um, mm. So looking at like ice slushies and how helpful, if not, that is, or using like actually a warm warm water to cool yourself down like if you imagine mm. if your body if you're in the if you've got a bath that's at um oh i don't know what it is in in american numbers but at like 37 and a half degrees at your natural body and you put water you fill up a bath of water at your core body temperature and you drop like a little bit of ice slushy in the water it's not going to change the temperature of the water Mm. so it's yeah, it's been super interesting trialing out different things and have definitely been way more scientific and way more measured um like i've done lots of stuff using like a uh the core external device that measures your internal core body temperature with a clever algorithm and using like an actual uh a core pill as well that you swallow and you can then actually read your core body temp um, and using them against each other to see actually what's happening with core body temperature. So I know that in 100 degrees, I can run at 300 watts, for example, because I started training with watts rather than time or pace because it's way more specific to the trails. Mm. And I know how what my core body temperature is going to do to that. So I can perhaps 
replicate on a treadmill with exactly the same conditions that I think I'm going to get at climbing in and out of the canyons and work on a run at a pace and see what my core body temperature does and see how that affects my velocity, my ability to produce power, the ability to run and see how much I slow down in relation to my core body temperature. So I know, okay, well, when my heart rate hits this or if my power starts to drop or I start feeling too hot, I know when I need to back off. And I also know if I'm with someone who starts pushing, I know that I'm not able to push there because I'm going into the danger zone. So yeah, it's been, um, it's been super interesting, but then I guess when it comes to racing, it's all of that slightly goes out the window because you're in a race and heart rate doesn't matter. Lactate doesn't matter. Core body temperature doesn't matter. All that matters is who gets to the finish line first and that's who wins. Wow. And I just want to say, I appreciate like how meticulous you are with the data and how like diligent you are of the student of understanding the numbers and the data and the science. And uh, one of the things that I appreciate about you too, is I heard on a podcast once that, you know, you say you find something that you want to work on and then you find people who can help you out. And it's so cool to see you tap into, you know, Christian and Gustav's coach, which for those who are unfamiliar two of the best and the best in the Ironman triathlon world right now, I mean, just absolute world-class athletes. So it's so cool to see you working with those people who are experts in that area as well. And and in the same vein, but a little kind of a different angle approach, I think one of the coolest things I've ever heard on a podcast was your podcast with Dylan Bowman. When you mentioned that you spend more time talking with your sports psychologist than you do on the work with like, and I think about that all the time. Like it is so cool. And I think that's something that makes you unique. So I'm curious, like, is there anything mentally in this specific training block that you've worked on that uh, you wanted to certainly focus on, or maybe was it just an add on, you know, to the work you've been doing? Tell us about maybe, you know, some of the, the mental work that you've been doing on top of it, because I, I think that's what gives you such an edge um, out there when you're towing the line. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great question. And like, if I'm being, if I'm being perfectly honest, I probably haven't spoken to my sports psych as much out here as I, as I previously have um, time difference, whatever mm-hmm. things on my mind, but I kind of feel like when you've got the processes in place, it becomes a little bit less important. Once I almost know mm-hmm. how to do it myself and I know the exercises that I need to be doing, um, I guess it's sort of been a little bit of like, I don't know what I was, how you describe it, pretty like rephrasing or like repicturing how the race is going to go. Like it's all, I always find it's really difficult going back to a race after you've had a good result because I could like this, especially this year that there probably isn't a, an out and out favorite now that Adam Peterman's pulled out. Mm. No Adam, no Jim. Um, yeah, yes, there are some amazing guys, but I'd say there's probably a group of five or six guys who have probably got, who I think are my picks to win. Um, and I think it will be, yeah, it will be a completely different race dynamic to when I did it in 2019. That was a, okay, well, Jim's gone off the front. Cool. I may or may not see him later, but I'm kind of going to ignore him. Whereas now this year it's, mm. yeah, it's going to be a completely different experience. And actually I could have, I could have my very, very best day and finish sixth. Um, because it's just, it's just so deep. So I think just getting into the, mentality of that and I guess like for this year like I'd be lying if I said I wasn't going for the win um and I think 
as I've learned in, I think some races it's enough to win by not, I almost describe it as like writing a book. Um, for a lot of races, for the majority of really competitive races, in order to win, you have to be the main character in the book. The book is written about you. You have to be the one who makes the decisions, who makes the decisive actions, and everyone else is playing a, yeah, you're the leading role. Everyone else is sort of a, an extra in your book. And I think when I raced in 2019, I was very much an extra in the book. Jim and Jared, Jim wrote the storyline and I was happy to sneak in. I didn't run with many people. I ran most of it on my own in third place over to Matt Daniels in between Forest Hill and, well, on Cal Street. Um, but yeah, I was very much a, yeah, a, uh, a supporting role. Whereas I think this year more than ever, the winner is going to come from, is going to be the person who is not necessarily the most aggressive, but the most prominent and the smartest. Mm. And when they make their move, if they need to make a move, but I think they probably will, it will be making the most decisive move um, and not going it's very easy to go too hard when you're trying to make a move when you're at Forest Hill because the standard race tactic is, oh, I'm going to get, everyone will say, oh, I want to get to Forest Hill with the best possible legs. I don't want to go too fast. But as soon as the gun goes off, there are quite a few unknowns in this race. Like the guys from China, for example, mm. I've never raced them, never met them. They're not very prominent on social media. They've won some massive races in China but you just don't know. Um, I raised a couple of Chinese guys before and they like to go super hard from the beginning. Mm. And I think there'll be some people who go with it. Um, I will not be one of those people. Um, and like, I just think it's, yeah. So I think, I think it'll be super interesting this year. So yeah, I guess mentally, what have I been working on? It's really focusing on like my own race, my own strategy, digging really deep into yeah, digging really deep into sort of my strengths and weaknesses and almost asking myself the question of like, if I was racing myself, how would I beat me? Mm. And then coming up with an answer to that and be like, well, no, you can't do You can't beat me that way. Um, so, yeah, I think that was, it got sort of, it didn't get dark, but like, yeah, you're really sort of looking into yourself, trying to find your real weaknesses and it's not yeah sometimes it's not nice to like own up or admit your own weaknesses um but then it means once you've done that you can then uh, once you sort of mentally unlock the box physically you can then take the things out and physically work on them to then you're not going to turn a weakness into a strength but you're going to yeah bolster a weakness and yeah make it a uh, as good as anyone else's um and yeah, so I think, yeah, mentally it's, yeah, being able to, having having had some great results in the last couple of years, I could easily say, oh no, well, actually I'm pretty good. I was third at UTMB. I've finished, I've done well in lots of races. That would be one way to look at it. But for me, that's, that's just not how I look at my performances. Like I always want to be able to improve. And I think that's the nice thing with trail running. Like there isn't a limit on how good one can get. And I think 
you look at maybe not so much in the men's fields, but like you look in the women's fields and you see like what the ladies are doing. Like there's no, in my opinion, they're pushing the boundaries of the sport way more than the men are. And they're, they are leading, they are leading the way in the sport, which I find so one super inspiring. Um, but yeah, also like super motivational that, yeah, they're just absolutely, uh, yeah, absolutely crushing it this year. And I wouldn't be so normally that like, you might get one, female in the top 10 this year i wouldn't mm. be surprised if there's more in western states this year so um yeah so i think going back to the original question like what have i been working on mentally it's like just being super honest with myself and yeah creating a strategy that is my strategy and plays to my strengths and slightly hides my weaknesses um but then when yeah and then being able to go into that sort of pain cave like it is going to hurt this race um my race strategy is going to be a painful one and yeah and i think yeah i think it's for me it's it's the way that i think i've got the best chance of winning the race um but it's sport you don't know you could be you could go into the race fittest on paper and finished 30th or you could go in having not had the best training but have the most incredible race because people say like ultra running it's 80 percent in your head and yet you've got to you've got to have it mentally and so yeah i think it's been um yeah it's been uh yeah like i said earlier like a voyage of discovery sort of relearning about myself um which has been super fun that might have been one of the most insightful answers I think I've had on this podcast so far. I love the analogy of having it be a storyline and you being like the main character. That is so cool. Secondly, I love how you take a brutally honest look at yourself and and say like, hey, here are the things maybe I need to work on. And to your point, it's not to, to you know dwell on it or anything like that. It's to use that to propel you to get forward and, and learn and improve, which I love that point too. And thirdly, excellent take on a, on a, you know, one of the ladies hopping into the top 10. I, I agree with you. I think this year is, uh, I mean, the, the ladies of the sport are just absolutely smashing it this year and it's going to be a cool race to watch them too. Um, last two questions here for you. You mentioned like, it's going to be a painful race. And so I've always just been so like interested, even just after hearing that answer and how you look at things and everything like that. So like, I'm sure you get this uh, question often, but you know, being that this Western state sounds like it's going to be a very painful strategy, maybe different than a black Canyon or different than maybe some other races you've done in the past. Like what is like your relationship with that pain? Like how do you, when it comes up, are you the one who almost accepts it leans into it like tell us like when when you start to feel the legs burning like the, the lungs huffing or any kind of pain like what what's your what's your plan of attack on that i guess like going in i got to do a lot of visualization and sort of like mental planning in the weeks before but i started like two weeks before so it's been going for a couple of days now but like yeah i guess what i do is i know it's i have already accepted the fact that it's going to be, there will be times in the race that are going to be miserable. And I know that in order to be the main character of this story, I need, it needs, it has to be miserable. It can't be easy because if I'm finding it easy, then people around me are going to be finding it easy. But if I'm finding it hard, I think that everyone else around me will also be finding it hard. Mm. So 
and yeah, in order to be that main character, I know that the pain is going to be there. I know it's going to get really hard. So when it happens, it's like, okay, cool. Well, you're this phase of the story now. You knew it was going to happen. You're the one who's written the story. You're trying to write it as we speak. You know that's going to happen. When you were thinking rationally, this is what you were going to do. So, yeah, you knew it was going to come. It's here. Now embrace it. Um, and the, be the beauty is with running, if it gets too much and the pain breaks you, you just stop. And it goes away the short-term pain goes away instantly but then the long term you've then got to wait another year till you get the opportunity to do it again so it's sort of weighing up a yeah a careful a, yeah a little bit of a balance of is it worth what i'm doing now is it worth it and yeah i think in in the races that i've done well at like i take utmb last year and yeah having i think jim was eight minutes ahead of me leaving the final checkpoint. And for me, the ability to be able to close that gap and then put an hour onto him in the final six and a half, seven miles leaves me with no doubt that me achieving my best performance for me is completely worth it. And I am 100% prepared to bury myself in order to achieve my very best performance um so yeah and i yeah i thrive off it like i look forward to that part in a race knowing that it's going to come and i hope it doesn't come too soon um yeah i really hope it doesn't come too soon it's gonna be pretty painful as soon as it starts but um but yeah that's the um that's how i look at it yeah i embrace it because if it was easy uh, it's the standard line if it was easy everyone would do it and yeah my training has been really good and i trust my training and i've suffered in training and i think when yeah when it gets hard in training it's like right well this is what the race is going to feel like if you give up now you've got no chance in the race and then in the race i sort of look back and say oh well actually in this training session i did it was way harder it felt harder it was hotter it was higher i had less fuel i was more dehydrated so now it's like well this is it's not easy but you've done it before so do it again because yeah, I'm the only one who's got to deal with the decision of not pushing as hard. No one else has got to deal with it. I'm the one who's got to go to bed and I'm the one with my thoughts. Oh, I didn't work as hard as I could have done. Oh, I backed out there. That's a massive regret. I'm the only one who's got to deal with my regrets. Um, and for a race like Western States, I think I owe, it, I owe it to myself and I think all of the athletes owe it to themselves and to respect the course that you've got to give it 100% and have no regrets when you finish the when you cross over the line and whether that's winning or it's getting a silver belt buckle or it's just finishing and beating the cutoff times, like you've got to leave with no regrets and you've got to put everything out there and yeah, leave, yeah, leave nothing out on the course or sorry, leave it all out on the course and um, yeah, just give it all you've got. So good. Oh my gosh. That was just so awesome. And I love the acceptance. Like you mentioned that acceptance, it's going to hurt, right? Because I remember when I first started racing ultras, like I would get painful and I was like, oh, like, you know, like this is, I can't believe I'm feeling this way. And my perception is that, you know, or was at the time that I need, in order to get better, I have to feel less pain throughout an ultra, but 
to your point, like I was resisting it and not accepting it. And when you accept it, you know how to deal with it. And when you can deal with it, then you get through that race. And I love that ending point you mentioned too, about, you know, even no matter, you know, what happens during the race, like win or, you know, coming up a little short, anything, as long as you go at it with no regrets, like that is just awesome to hear my friend. Well, Tom, this has been super awesome. I got one question last that I'm answering every single um, athlete here I'm having on the series as well, but I will put a link to your social media, your YouTube channel, which, hey, anyone listening, if you're looking for excellent documented trail running content, like, dude, Tom's stuff is probably some of the best that I've seen out in the industry. So please follow along, uh, smash the subscribe button for him for sure. And then all of his other socials I'll put in there as well. Um, but Tom, for you, given that you ran in 2019 and you know you are now, a, so they call a veteran of this race, what was one of the most memorable moments from that 2019 race that maybe you think about often or one that stands out to you most when you towed the line in 2019? I think... It's a tricky one. I think sort of pretty like two main, two main points. First, like just throughout the whole race, like the the aid stations and the organization is just so different to any race mm. that I had ever done before. And it was so like I ended up looking forward, looking forward to getting to the aid stations so I could get more fuel and cool myself down, have some water. But I was looking forward to just see the people and sort of really, really fed off that experience. Whereas I've said, yeah, you typically find in other races in Europe that it's a very different atmosphere. Um, yeah, it's a very different atmosphere. And I'm not saying one's better than the other or someone's right and someone's wrong. But yeah, I absolutely love the atmosphere at the aid station. It's just a completely, it's just a completely different energy. Um and then I guess like in a performance, yeah, in a performance way, sort of the bits that really stick out, like, yeah, I just remember like getting to, getting to Forest Hill and sort of opening up the legs a little bit and testing, uh, testing the legs and be like, ah, oh, this actually feels okay. Like I'm not in, like you're suffering, no matter what, like, you're going to suffer in the canyons. It's going to be hard. You're going to think that you've worked way too hard. You're going to get to, um, Oh, whatever it's called, just before Forest Hill. Um, uh, is Michigan Bluff? Is that Michigan uh, Bluff? Yeah, yeah. You're gonna get to, you're gonna get to Michigan Bluff and be like, oh my god, I've cooked it. And then you've got a pretty miserable hour from Michigan Bluff to the end of Bath Road. You meet your crew, and then all of a sudden, like you're having fun with your crew, you just forget how miserable your last three hours have been. Get to Forest Hill, and yes, yeah, so I think for me, like. And I guess it goes back to the same. Like there was just so much energy and so much buzz going through Forest Hill, and it was really cool at that point, sort of being the yeah the first non-American with a bit of a story. And I think going back to like the the media side of things, like it's what I've tried. It's what we've really tried to do this year is to sort of to, to tell the story a little bit more for more people to buy in and sort of understand where you're coming from. And yeah, trail running is a really hard sport to self-document and I was reading through a thread on Twitter which you probably shouldn't do when it's about you people <laughs> like oh it's because he's he can do it because he's a Red Bull athlete and it's like well yeah Red Bull are really supportive and I get a I get paid by them but I have funded this YouTube channel with mm -hmm. Santara Tech we've put 50-50 in none of my it's not my partner saying oh you should be doing this it's me saying I want to do this I've put, yeah, a lot of money into it. 
because I want people to be able to buy into the story and to be able to see, yeah, feel that connection. And so then when I go to races, people understand what I've done, where I've come from. Um, and yeah, just really create that community. Like it's done so well in triathlon and it's way easier to film in triathlon because you're in a pool half the time, you spend loads of time in the car, you're then on a bike, it's easy to film and your running is on the road where you can have someone on the bike. Whereas trail running, it's way more difficult. But it's just thinking slightly outside the box and being able to show people like, actually this can be done. I think it can be done in a good way that people find interesting. So yeah, there are, yeah, there are plenty more videos coming out. Um, it won't end at Western States. There might be a little break after Western States, but um, yeah, there'll be more before um, the beginning of September, we will say. Oh, that's awesome. Well, dude, I mean, like I said before, your content has been awesome. Like, and I appreciate it so much, just even from a fan of the sport and a fan of you. And I'm sure others can agree. Like, it's just so awesome to see that look into, you know, your life. And as I was watching the series, like to your point, it's like you, of course, I was rooting for you before, but like the more you get to to know you about your background and your training and your lifestyle, like you do find yourself like getting, you know, more invested into your story and, and, and following along, not just the story, but the sport as well, which is super cool. So what you're doing is uh, awesome for the community, awesome for the sport, man. And uh, I'm so excited to, uh, to see the video recapping the Tom Evans storybook, as you mentioned before, where you're the uh, main character in it at Western States uh, coming up next Saturday, my friend. So you're going to crush it. I'm super yeah, stoked. It's man. terrifying that it's next Sunday. That's that is a bit scary. Isn't that nuts? It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but you put in the work, my friend, and uh, I will be uh, cheering. I'll be one of those people at the aid stations cheering you on, man. And uh, man, thanks again for coming on the show, Tom. Awesome, Joe. Thanks so much. And yeah, looking forward to um, seeing you in Olympic Valley very soon. Let's do it. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you absolutely love the show and want to support us in any ways, there's a few ways that you can do so. The first way is writing us a review on the platform of your choice. Reviews really, really matter and they help us to spread the word a lot more. So if you have the time to do so, would love that as well. Number two, you can join our Patreon community. Patreon helps us to support the show and helps us to grow and invest into new developments and growth. And on top of that, just for about $5 a month, you can get access to monthly calls with me where you can ask me anything on a monthly basis, connect with other members in the Everyday Ultra community, and ultimately get early access episodes without ads as well, which is super, super cool, all for about $5 a month. So that's a great way to support us. And then number three is taking care of our sponsors on here. So as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, uh, we had some sponsors in here. And if you want to invest into their product and uh, go try them out, they're all products that I've tried either in my training and I live by. I don't take any sponsorships from anybody I don't incorporate in my training. So uh, feel free to take advantage of their product and tell them that Joe sent you from Everyday Ultra. Those are three ways to support the podcast, but no matter which way that you choose or if you don't choose a way at all, just know that I really appreciate you for listening in. I know there's tons of podcasts out there and the fact that you're listening to us, that really, really means a lot. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And remember, become a better endurance athlete every day, and we'll see you real soon. Take care.